Thank you for joining me on episode 23 of the Unique On Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just a regular gal trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Jesus Christ. And today is part two of Unconditional Love. When I first sought out to interview wife and mother, Sarah Holmes, I wanted to talk about the uniqueness of adoption, but our conversation really started out with her severely special needs son, and it grew into what it means to sacrificially love. So if you've not listened to episode 22, I highly encourage you to go back and listen. But now it's time to grab your tissues as Sarah shares her story that I hope inspires you and challenges you. What blows my mind is here you have four children, and I'm not sure how your other three handled in all all the things, you know, being special needs siblings. But then after 10 years, you said, there's a void in our lives. Let's adopt. I mean, is it kind of like... Right. It was very crazy. And it was very crazy at the time. And we fought it. But there was just this overwhelming sense. And um, it came into me about, uh, I think it was 2011, around Thanksgiving time, where it just kind of hit me where I just, we both felt the void, mm-hmm. but the idea came, the download that, that adoption was going to be the answer. And we didn't want to just adopt someone that was perfect, a child mm-hmm. that was perfect. Mm-hmm. We wanted to adopt a child that had some struggles because we had spent years in the NICU and in these very sa- sad, sad situations where we had children that were dying around us from cancer, Lewis, Lu, Lu, um, Levi had a little five-year-old roommate that passed away while we were there. Mm-hmm. You saw these kids with these horrific defects and struggles and kids coming in the ER with these traumatic problems and injuries. We saw so much struggle and so much death with all these other children. And our Levi kept on living against all odds. And we were always just... Um, one step away from that, you know, mm-hmm. one breath away from Levi passing. So we felt very um, grateful. But when we got done and we were thinking about adoption and adding to our family, we specifically wanted a little girl. We we thought that we really needed to adopt a child out of foster care that had had some struggles. We didn't want to adopt a child with more special needs than what we had dealt with with Levi. Yeah because we knew that that wouldn't, that would be too much for us. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of surgeries in the future for Levi and, and health issues to, um, to be battling. So that was kind of the route that we went. So it was a real heaviness. So we decided to sign up for the, um, the classes to be foster parents. And we also got licensed as adoptive parents, but we were going to sit on it for several years. Oh, okay. (laughs) We just thought that that was what we needed to do to be um, responsible (laughs) as as parents because we were, we were already needy as it was. Mm -hmm. And then, well, it didn't last a couple years, did it? No, it did not. And God's sovereignty, we, um, we signed up for the, the classes and, and by taking the classes, we learned about something called respite and respite is where families that have done, that are doing foster care they need to have a break. And so on the weekends, other families will take their foster children for them so they can have a break. Mm-hmm. And so that w- that seemed like a, a reasonable thing to do to help somebody out for the weekend. And we could get to know what, uh, you know, an adopt or a foster child 
you know, is like, kind of know what shenanigans that they're going to pull. And, <laughs> and then we could kind of feel good about it and send them home. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so we did that. But then they, we did it for a family that had a son with um, special needs. He, he had a speech impediment, uh, impediment and stuttered. And we had been through so many speech classes <laughs> and speech therapy with our Levi. And he was also failure to thrive and very, very small. And so we decided to do respite for this family. That, that we did it for a cup for about two months in the summertime and then started doing it into the fall when school started. And then their foster family bottomed out. We were called and asked to immediately take these kids, but our licensing wasn't even done. So went to another foster um, home. And then, you know, within like three months, we were asked to like sign the paperwork to take these kids full time as as their foster parents, Mm -hmm. which was very overwhelming. And we we said we wouldn't do it unless we had respite. (laughs) And so uh, a gracious single um, retired woman step forward and said that she would do it for us. Mm-hmm. And so that was what would that would, that made it possible for us to do it. Okay. Because we could we could send the kids to respite and kind of regroup and and kind of settle down from from all the craziness mm-hmm. before the kids came came back again. And then the kids moved in on a Friday and they they usually say that it takes about 9 months for all the court and everything cuz this was also going to we were it looked like it was going to be a termination situation for the for the kids and the kids moved in on a friday and the next mo- monday there was a court date and the parents released the rights and so surprise surprise now an adoption worker is in our home with <laughs> within with the just month. in a few days yes with them oh yeah. wow yeah that was god's sovereignty and and it, it happened a lot faster than what we expected it was it was what the way that the Lord worked it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, how was it having a special needs child and now having three kids? I mean, you you didn't just adopt one. You got three. Right. How was that the dynamic of having the special needs child and then bringing in three kids at the same time? Well, Where you probably just don't know any different, maybe. Well, growing up, I, I loved the fact, I loved it when I was younger and house full of kids and siblings and Christmas was always fun. There's always something exciting to do. So it was fun. And, and one thing I, we noticed is that Levi had gotten to a point where he was communicating, but he would get into these ruts where he would just monotonously just repeat the same thing over and over and over again. Like, mom, look at the fan, mom, look at the fan, mom, look at the fan, mom, look at the fan. And he, we couldn't, you know, snap him out of it. But we noticed that when we were doing respite and the kids came to visit, he wouldn't do that. It was like he always had someone to talk to. Mm. And it wasn't like we were ignoring him at all. We yeah. were always trying to get him to engage with us. But, you know, the, the other kids after a while, they, they got, they grew older and could play with more things. And Lewis, Levi had, didn't have a lot of muscle tone to be doing the stuff that they were doing. And he wasn't, didn't have the attention span at all. Mm-hmm. And so they would just kind of go and do their thing. But these, our, our foster respite kids would play with him. And we would notice that when, when they came for the weekend, that Levi would not go into these like repetitive stuttering and repetition things. We kind of really thought, oh, this, this is, it was like a nudge from the Lord. Like, this is what you should do because this is going to help out Levi. Hmm. And we didn't, 
we liked the fact that Levi would have brothers and sisters because we thought that he might not have any friends. Mm. And and that's a, that's a real difficult, another difficult topic for a a parent with with a child with special needs is that, you know, who's, who's going to be their friends, you know, and what a a lonely world to be in. Mm -hmm. And so that was a, that was a blessing from the Lord to take on these kids and really bring healing. And, And the studies show that, that adopted kids, that come into a family with more, more siblings, that they're, they're healthier. Really? And I, I think it's just because there's more people to love on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, there's, it's not about me mm-hmm. because there's so much, only so much attention that can go around. Not that you want to ignore your adoptive kids, but. Right. There's a lot of pressure if there's just, you know, one adopted kid and, and, yeah. and everyone's trying to help them and encourage yeah. them and, you know, to fit in and to, to move on. And it, it healing takes time. It's not like something that there's no exact science to it. You mm-hmm. know, it's just you need love and you need love and you need love and you need more love and you lot lots of consistency there. And yeah. But then again, even even that, I think healing healing takes a lifetime. Well, and you just adopted your eighth child so well the fourth adoptive child but your eighth child but you have two in college so like what was going (laughs) what's going through your mind that you have two your two oldest kids are in college and it's almost as if you're starting over right yeah so Levi is kind of a perpetual like preschooler Mm -hmm. (laughs) with and so the other ones kind of moved up graduated and um went on to college and are are as of um, next month, we'll be out of college, you know, both of them and, and on their own. I think that part of it was when we got the call to take take a baby, mm-hmm. that was kind of like every uh, postpartum like woman's dream where the husband says, thinks that it's done. Yeah. And, and the, <laughs> wife, the wife thinks that maybe it's done. So we got the call and it was, it was again surreal. You know, I just, I thought for sure we we're going to have to tell her no, but I thought, you know, I'll just make sure I... You know, we make a decision as a family here. Mm-hmm. We had an emergency date night, dropped kids off at Awana and, and went to the, a local restaurant and then called our kids. We talked about it and prayed. And then we called our adult kids on mm-hmm. the phone and said, what do you think? And uh, we had determined that we'd go either way. Yeah. Because they're going to have to be a lot of big helpers, you know, mm-hmm. when they come home that their mom and dad were already kind of crazy for adding three kids <laughs> to, their, to the family. And we always did something, did it with their permission mm-hmm. um not so much permission but they they had to feel good about they're, it well and they're a part of the family you right. don't want to make them think that they don't get a say in anything right. they're a part of the family too right so they said that um well we can't because what would we say that their their scenarios was when this is all said and done and many years later when we find out who this sibling is if we said no to them how could we look at them in the mm. eye and say we we chose not to choose you wow and so um, that was that was what made our decision is is based on on their support for us. Wow. I it didn't really sink in at first. I I kind of felt like Sarah Sarah in the Bible, like I'm way too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> but it it was a, a wonderful thing. But all the time, I kind of felt like mm, something might happen. It might mm-hmm. fall through. But I I embraced it. It's such an an amazing thing. Um, it's one thing when you adopt an older child and. It's something, another that when the hospital is calling you and say, you, you need to come because it looks like they've not had very much human interaction. Oh. Will you please come and hold her? Yeah. And so then it was like, 
the momming hormones just kick into gear, you know, <laughs> and you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> but then now you're like, okay, who's going to watch Levi? Who's going to do this? And so we had neighbors that came through for us and to allow it to happen. But again, it was, um, it's definitely an amazing thing, but there is a cost to it. Mm. There's definitely um, a sacrifice that needs to be made because I'm 50 now. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't have the strength and the stamina, but you have a whole lot of wisdom. Yeah. And um, not the issues that you have when you're a younger mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me what the, you, you've adopted four children. You have four biological children, four adoptive children. And of course, you know, in the adoptive world, you don't label them your adopted kids because they're yours, right? You, right. you don't put that label on it. But I do want to know what has been the hardest part about bringing kids into your home the first three were older. The one was that you just adopted was a baby. So it's a little bit of a different situation. Mm-hmm. But what was kind of the hardest part? And I and I asked that because I remember a woman who worked for an adoption agency and she was an adoptive mother herself. She had said, your job as the parent is to love them. That's not their job to love you. It's mm-hmm. just your job to love them no matter what they do. And I thought, wow, how like Christ I just couldn't imagine anything harder of you have to love this child, but they don't have to love you back. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what your opinion is about really what what has been one of the most challenging portions of. Well, just as just as a disclaimer about what you just said there, I just want everybody to know that's that's listening, that raising children is difficult. Yeah. Whether they're your own children or they're somebody else's children, Mm -hmm. there is no perfect child out there Mm -hmm. and there's no perfect parent and I think what, what you just need to, what we need to always keep in, into perspective is that it's just being consistent and doing what God asks you to do because parenting is like the ultimate sacrifice. It's like pouring yourself out like a drink offering mm-hmm. and there's no, there's no thanks or no accolades for it. Mm-hmm. But when you put it in that perspective, I like what they said because that, that is really the heart of it. I think for me, it was the emotions because when you have your, your other children, there's a natural bond that's there. There's a natural trust because you know what they've been through. and doesn't mean that they're not going to lie or steal or, you know, disappoint you or, you know, or not, not, not choose the right path. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you adopt, you just kind of, you struggle with that bond because you don't have the history. But it was amazing how I found that the Lord showed me that connection like I remember I was in a, in a Bible study, a women's Bible study during when we just had adopted and, and things were pretty tough. And we were talking in our Bible study about some some issue. And um, it was amazing because I was struggling. My daughter, my adopted daughter was going through the same issue of identity. And I could see myself kind of struggling with it, mm-hmm. even as a grown woman and not really ever having that thinking that was a problem but I just felt like my emotions kind of mirrored their emotions. When you love somebody, you take on, you take on their pain just in a relationship in a marriage. When you, you marry somebody, you take on, yeah, you take on their demons mm-hmm. that it's, it's tough when you have those kids because you take on. And I remember when it was a couple of years into it and it was just so exhausting, so completely exhausting. And the stuff that was going on was just crazy behavior and you, your um, your original children, your biologicals, you could tell them a couple times and give them a consequence or whatever, and, and they would get it. But you tell them a hundred times, and it's mm-hmm. just still not sinking in. I do remember just at this point of exhaustion and just kind of crying out to the Lord about it. And I just remember 
just this wave of grief that just came over me. Like, why couldn't they have just held them? Mm. Why couldn't they have just tucked them into bed? And like read- their biological parents, yeah. you're meaning? Right, because it was just severe neglect mm. and abuse. And it was like the kids, there was like no rules in the house whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they said when they met us, they didn't know that there were such things as consequence. Mm-hmm. You know, and the only ho- holiday they celebrated was Halloween. They they didn't have birthdays and Christmas, and they thought it was crazy that we would celebrate the 4th of July. <laughs> you know, and um, we had to tell them that, that, you know, Christmas, they kind of heard it was about Jesus. We had to tell them that Easter was about Jesus' resurrection, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just remember just having this ch- tremendous grief and grieving for them for their loss. Mm-hmm. And and they they acted out. They didn't verbalize. It was all acting out in crazy ways. But I just remember just my grief, like, really being jealous. Like, why couldn't I have held them? Mm. You know, why couldn't I have been there for them? Yeah. And, and why so much pain? Why so much struggle? Why so much loss? Did you ever, I see that there's anger with maybe the biological parents, but did you ever find yourself angry with God of, God, why didn't you just give them to me? I would have birthed mm. them. Or why didn't you give them to somebody that would have held them? Was there ever any anger towards God? No. No. Nope. I I had anger towards God for, for my Levi because mm-hmm. it just seemed a little bit different because he was my biological, you know, I was yeah. just picking, I'm, I, we're, we're, we're trying to make right what was wrong in these other kids' lives. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I struggled with that with Levi, you know, where it says in, in, in the womb, I knew you, I knitted, I created you. I said, well, where were you when he was supposed to be knitting his heart? Mm. You know, like, why'd you forget that? You know? <laughs> and the Lord's answer back to me was that I did. But he was he was born in a broken world, mm. and so in heaven he created imperfect. But then coming down into this earth and ha- and and going through the hemisphere of of reality and and depravity on this earth, that's you know what the consequences of sin. Yeah, and I have the hope that one day in he- in heaven that he will be healed, that we will all be healed. It's not just being healed of special needs, it's and and um, health issues. It's being healed of emotional issues and, mm-hmm. and loss. And and answers that are that are that seem to be haunting us that are that are not answered, mm-hmm. but it, our our hope is in heaven. Mm-hmm. What would you say has been the best part of adopting children? I think the best part of adopting children, because they're not really sometimes they're not really rising up and saying blessed mother, blessed father. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not how it works. Um, and I think the best thing is to know that you gave you gave a child a place to call home mm-hmm. and you gave them a family and you gave them a mom and a dad and you gave them siblings and you gave them a healthy life and you, you're modeling what a good marriage is and you're modeling um, faith in Jesus. But that boast does not come lightly. That boast comes with a cost. Mm. And so it's just kind of that, and I would never have known that in my heart, but just that, that um, piece of knowing that you've done what's right and what God has called you to do, it's not something that I would recommend for everybody. It has mm-hmm. to be something definitely that the Lord is calling you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a, a piece in my heart knowing that when I went, if I would go to the grave today, that I knew that I, I did something significant for the Lord, for mm-hmm. his kingdom. Mm-hmm. But the gratitude is not on this earth. Yeah. No, I get that. No, I understand. What if there's somebody right now that's listening that's on the fence of the of adoption? Because I think for a long time, adoption was put into this pretty little package. And look, you bring this beautiful baby into your home and you get to make a difference. And I think nowadays we're actually sharing 
some of the ugliness that comes along with it. But with that now is putting fear into some people that maybe are on the fence of adoption. What would you say to those that couple? Well, I think it's kind of like the scenario of, um, you know, we've had we had an Indian summer this this fall. It was we had the most beautiful fall ever mm-hmm. that I can imagine. And and if you if you don't live in Michigan and experienced our fall, but everybody knows that you've had this out of season like moment where you've gone to the lake in the sun and it's so warm. And it's pristine, and like you go to you go to the the beach, and, and it's this out of character, out of season day. You know, those, those that are going to go to the beach, and they're just going to sit and they're going to watch the sun and just sit and watch it and experience that way. But then there's all those other people that get out of their car and they go and kind of walk a little bit in the water. You know, they mm-hmm. don't you don't bring your bathing suits because it's like you know September or October, yeah. And you're just kind of like wading in the water, and and the, the waves come up and you start to get a little bit more relaxed, and the water's not that cold. And um, you're just amazed about how beautiful it is because you're in the water and, and it's late in the season. And then there's those that you kind of start splashing around and you start getting wet. Mm-hmm. And then the sun's getting really hot, you know, and you think, OK, well, I'm already wet now. Why not just jump in? <laughs> and it's going to be uncomfortable because you got that weird feeling of your clothes sticking to you. And then you figure out how am I get in the car and I'm going to be soaking wet and like all this kind of stuff. I'm going to feel like I wet my pants. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, I don't have any towels. You start thinking about what's in your car. But the thing is that if you worry about all that kind of stuff, you don't get the experience of God's creation in, in this out of season day mm-hmm. unless you just jump in. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's out of character for you, but it's not out of character for God. Mm-hmm. What about those that are in the throes of adoption right now? They maybe they had a romanticized picture of what adoption was going to be like and they brought these kids to their home the judge put down the gavel they're officially theirs and maybe they're living a nightmare well I'll, I'll just back up just a little bit to answer that question there is it to the unexpected is I highly recommend that somebody would sign up and do respite okay that you get to meet kids that are that are in need and and families that have already signed up to do foster care and you don't know if it's going to end up in adoption or not, but you're able to do something that's really good for them Mm -hmm. and give them a break because we, I know it is exhausting and you you sign the dotted line and your, and your family life turns upside down forever. Mm -hmm. And you, you think, Oh my gosh, what did I just do? (laughs) You know, and there's no way out and there's no vacation time. You, and you got to get someone licensed to watch the kids. And then you worry about your biological children. Or if you don't, you worry about, if the grown up adult children and how you don't have time for them. And I think that if you sign up and do respite, that gives you a sense of the chaos. Mm. And, but it also, if you don't end up adopting, it's something that I think couples would get a very great sense of satisfaction for, for doing something for the Lord, Mm -hmm. because you're helping this family, you're helping these children, but you're not, you're not signing on the dotted line. If you might not be able to, to adopt for whatever reasons. Mm -hmm. So I, I highly recommend that. And then kind of answering the question in a couple different ways, there's a movie that I would highly recommend is, it's called radio. Mm -hmm. It talks about the heart issue of loving someone that is broken. And there's a line in the movie. That's my favorite. And coach Jones says, it's never a mistake to love, to care for somebody. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true. It's never a mistake to care for somebody. I think that's the heart of, of adoption and foster care and adoption is that you have to do what your friend says is just your job is to love them. No mm-hmm. matter what you get, it, it's not their job to love you mm-hmm. back. And I just would just really pray about your heart. But 
if you have the desire to do it, then I think that you're the one. I think if you're fighting it, you might be, uh, we were fighting it. So I think that if you're fighting something, then there's, there's a, the Holy Spirit's nudging you to do it. But I would take some time and I wouldn't just sit there and, and wait around for it to happen. I would take steps, mm-hmm. get licensed, start doing respite. And then for those people that are on the other side of it, who are just really stressed out, you know, my heart just goes out to you. I, I want you to know that you're not alone, mm-hmm. that God's heart is very close to the orphan. You know, it says in James that true religion and pure religion, looking after the widows and orphans in their distress, mm-hmm. not when it's all happy and you're throwing them the birthday party and you having all these hallmark moments, you're looking yeah. after these kids when all the holidays are gone mm-hmm. and, and the drudge of the day and dealing with their, their struggles and their losses and just the complete death of what, of, of what they've known as their home and comfort that you're in the throes of distress with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that be, be of courage because there's many parents that are going through the same thing that have done the same thing and have said yes to God. But I'd also recommend that you find a friend or a couple that are older that have gone through adoption. And we would, we, we've made those connections and those have been our lifeline where we call them. It says like, this is just crazy. We, we think we're going crazy because, you know, give us some wisdom and they would just give us encouragement and, and tell stories about their crazy kids. And we're like, Oh wow, our kids are not that crazy. <laughs> like, um, so I think that that would be of help. And there's lots of support groups through your adoption agency, but I think just having a friend it takes a unique friend. If they, if they haven't adopted, I would be be careful about what you share because a lot of people want to give advice, Yeah. but there is definitely a learning curve when it comes okay. to adoption, especially adoption out of foster care. When kids remember their parents, remember the, the abuse and they're suffering from the abuse. It's different from when you're adopting a baby fresh. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be some deficits, you know, of loss. The baby can sense that. Yeah. Um, and not that they're not going to have learning disabilities or whatnot, but there's definitely a learning curve when it comes to that and a compassion curve. Mm-hmm. And not everybody has that. But there's also, not to, to throw a bunch of movies at people, but there's also a movie that's called Instant Family. To tell you the truth, when we watched it the first time, it was kind of painful because it, was, it, the, it just brought back the stress for us. Okay. There is, there is a, heavy, a heavy layer of language in it, but it is a true picture of what a family goes through with foster fostering and to adopt and the emotions that are behind it. And I think at some point it might be um, helpful if you're really stressed out to watch that because you can kind of like see somebody else's life, you know, and, and see their struggles. And we sometimes find comfort in other people's struggles (laughs) (laughs) Um, or like, wow, I didn't have to deal with that. Um, But I think that we are made for relationships and these, these kids need you and you're a caregiver and you're pouring in so much to them. And as a parent, the kids are traumatized by their abuse and then they're traumatized by t- being taken out of their home, even though their home was abusive or for whatever reason they had a loss and they need to be put in foster care and adopted out, that that was their home. And that's what they, they love their parents, whether they're abusive or not, which is just a beautiful thing about love. Mm-hmm. And so they have a lot of grief. And, and then your life is turned upside down. And that movie portrays it a lot about your old life versus your new life mm-hmm. and how you just, you kind of, you feel guilty about your emotions as an adoptive person. Cause you think I should be doing a whole lot better. I'm the adult here. Yeah. But I think that, that you're doing something very difficult mm-hmm. that you're, you're picking up 
you know, the sin and the abuse and the severe laziness and neglect and whatever it all is for that, for that child to, to come into your home. Mm-hmm. And, and God is near mm-hmm. because God is the author of, of messes. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm sorry, author of cleaning up messes <laughs> and redeeming them. And we might not see that redemption on this earth, but we can know that it's never a mistake to care for somebody because that's the heart of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Any last words that you want to point out before we close? I think that another another thing would just be kind of break things down because I know in, in the heart of raising children, healthy church, original children versus adopted children, that it's easy to think that you got to solve everything all at once. And, you know, when your kids are younger, you kind of choose your battles. And Jesus, it talked about Jesus growing in wisdom and stature. And in the Bible, it kind of breaks it down. And I think as parents, we kind of need to break down those different things. Like sometimes we really need to focus on our kids' schooling. Mm -hmm. You know, if your kids are struggling with learning disabilities, and I think that it's kind of crazy for our kids because they didn't follow rules. There was never a schedule in their home that they can't they can't do math because they they don't want to follow the rules. Well, math is all about following rules, (laughs) and it's just fascinating to me about how all those things that we do naturally and it as good parents with our kids in a healthy home how those are so important so if if you're that's just an encouragement to keep a good schedule you know but also break things down you can't be everything to this child Mm -hmm. you can't be making sure that they get they're on the softball team and making sure that they're in girls on the run and they're in this dance and or you know sports and stuff like that you have to you have to know that you pick and choose where you think their talents are or where, where you think they just need it. They need to be getting out and getting some exercise and blowing off steam, then focus on that and just put your energies in that. But don't try to, to be everything and, and help them in every single way because mm-hmm. you're not God. And mm-hmm. and and sometimes I think um, the Bible really attests this is that we're not completers. Mm-hmm. We're not saviors. Yeah. We're just helping to plant seeds and we're just helping just to love them mm-hmm. and love them consistently. And that, like you said, is, is our main job. And and I like you, you said about fixing because I think when, and I know I need to wrap up here, but I think when there's a special need in your biological child, there's a, a part of you as the mother that says, God, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. What did I do wrong that my child is like this? But when you adopt a child, somebody else messed them up. Right. And there's this idea and this pressure of now I have to fix them. Mm-hmm. They're in my home and I have to fix them. And that's not your job either mm-hmm. to fix them. Yeah, it was crazy. I was I was a period of my time where I was called into the principal's office several times a week mm-hmm. for a preschooler that would moon the classroom across the hall <laughs> or um, defecate in the trash. Mm-hmm. Or slap the teacher oh, or disrobe herself. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. And if it was my own biological child, I would be devastated. Like, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's kind of fun because <laughs> you can see all this <laughs> naughtiness and realize that yeah, I had nothing to do with this. But you also, if you if you have a hard time and you get those looks and those stares from people, then, uh, yeah, maybe it's not for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah build some thick skin. But right. it, it is definitely an adventure you know, to be called into the, the, the principal's office for some of these, um, yeah, these crazy things. You have to have a thick skin and a tender heart. Yeah. You have so. to have a sense of humor about yes, it. Yes, definitely. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and just sharing your heart. I know that wasn't easy, but at the same time, I know that there's going to be so many people that benefit from hearing your story. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining Sarah and I with that inspiring conversation. Sarah and her family are just such beautiful 
powerful examples of Christ loving those that the world tosses. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved, and because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you next week.